Well, hello. Welcome, everyone, to our first episode of the Conscious Outlaws podcast. My name is Grant Hunter, and I'm joined today with my dear friend, Cynthia Hendricks. And we have launched Conscious Outlaws really to help people escape the relative tyranny that we see coming all around us in our corrupted world, and to also to reconnect with the eternal sacredness of life as spoken of in all of the world's wisdom traditions. So it's a, it's a dichotomy and we're giving voice to both elements that we see happening in our world today and are thrilled to have you here with us on our inaugural episode. Yes. Uh, Hi, Grant. <laughs> Great. Hi, Cynthia. Great. Well, um, a little background on me. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've started five companies with a couple of exits. I've been here in Silicon Valley for a little over 20 years now. My background is in originally in big four professional services, Fortune 500 high tech, as well as a boutique marketing firm in San Francisco that I launched and later sold. And then I worked uh, a decade in the developing world, launching for-profit social businesses to integrate money and meaning and profit and purpose in my own life. And in a sense, this podcast is an outgrowth of this desire to sort of acknowledge a couple of different truths, as I pointed out at the outset, both the, the tyranny that we see happening around the world in many forms, and we want to fearlessly give voice to that and be a stand for truth when so much propaganda is driving our world. And a lot of the good news comes from this reconnection to spirit and to the, the sense of sacredness that we think is still alive and well and something that we can plug into. But tell me a little bit about and introduce yourself to our audience, Cynthia, so they uh, know where you're coming from. Absolutely, thank you so much, Grant. Um... Yes, a big yes to all you're saying. Um, and I'm so excited to join you uh, in this podcast, um, which I'm really holding as a beacon um, and a, a voice of truth and authenticity in a sea of uh, what, what I'm seeing as just distraction, distortion, and disillusionment. And I, I feel as a society, we've really strayed from what is real and true in both an inner and outer sense. And our connection to sort of inner knowing and a life of soul um, has been taken over, you know, by a hyperinflation of ego. Um, and I think this podcast really is orienting us back to truth and what is real uh, and giving us a harbor of hope in, I, I think, a lot of uh, confusion, let's say, at best. Um, yeah. So so my background, um, I'm, I'm the daughter of artists and sort of took a black sheep turn to become an attorney. Um, for the purpose of really seeking justice and <laughs> changing the world, uh, I think in a very sort of naive sense, and became very disillusioned and 
found alternative forms of conflict resolution. And along that path, really recognize the power of transformational work and how much that was at the heart of a lot of conflict and, and challenges that we face. Um, and the transformational studies really showed me how important sort of working in the sort of the intuitive realms um, was and, and really helping people rediscover their connection to self and inner authority. And that led me down uh, a path of purpose and really being a champion of soul and the life of soul. And I think that as you would, were, were mentioning earlier, that idea of really plugging back into the sacred is where we can, we can find a path forward um, with what we're seeing here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And yeah, I suppose for context, it's worth noting we both sort of found ourselves uh, in the Global Purpose Leaders Forum, essentially, and found we had shared friends that were championing this notion of purpose and getting reconnecting with the terrain of soul. I mean, in a world that has lost its way. And, you know, what I see with the corporate clients that I work with, with my company, Centropy, mm. is so many leaders are dealing with employees that are well there's an epidemic of anxiety depression and obesity uh, here in the united states and that corresponds with a lack of engagement at work as one might imagine and uh, a lot of people are just phoning it in and we saw in 2021 the, the great resignation uh made its way through the business press and uh, so many people are just saying in the face of covid and it gives people a sense to sort of reevaluate their lives and decide what's important to them. And, you know, as a goal directed, a goal directed species, we mm. purpose is primary for us. And so I think the, the, the primacy of purpose becomes clear when we look at our personal lives, as well as our, our professional lives. And certainly for leaders with, according to Gallup, 87% of employees disengaged at work that's a tragedy i mean you think about that that's the equivalent of a basically maybe you get one day a week of somebody actually plugged into work and the rest they're just kind of phoning it in sure. and that's a, a sad a sad state of affairs but purpose is where we come together it's certainly been a driver in my own professional life as i took a u-turn as i mentioned after selling the marketing firm in san francisco more financial success really lost its capacity to motivate me. And I became interested in ways to try to take a bite out of global poverty by creating sustainable business solutions to poverty in the developing world for 10 years. And then after selling the last company that I was involved with, with that, then is when I turned to Centropy, which is to help other purpose-driven leaders take this deeper dive. And that's kind of my day job. And, you know, what I'm so thrilled to have Cynthia with me on this is to give voice to many of us that are perhaps spiritual practitioners would identify as conscious. Uh, maybe, maybe we're spiritual, but not religious. That's popular these days. Maybe yeah. we're, we're deep faithful followers of a particular path. We want to give voice to all people that are awake and plugged into something greater 
than what we see in our day to day, especially in these troubling times. That's certainly the conscious part of conscious outlaws. And then the outlaw part is willing to say, you know, no, we're a stand for relative truth as well. And uh, we will get into it a little bit further along, but I think we need to declare our sanity in a world that has gone insane in so many ways. Right. Uh, and so we're holding both sort of the absolute pole, if you will, the ultimate sacredness of life spoken of and wisdom traditions across the ages. And also naming and calling BS on a cavalcade of propaganda that we're getting from mainstream media and from our global so-called health authorities. And I, it's a troubling time. And I, I think, I, yeah, what, what's your take on kind well, of just where we are in the world today, Cynthia, and kind of the impulse behind launching Conscious Outlaws? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, I just want to sort of comment on this, you know, what you're sort of naming as this honest quest for truth and enlightenment, right? As a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that 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 search for meaning and the significance of that, right? As opposed to sort of the hyper inflation of ego and this reliance on transitory pleasure, right? Where sort of success you know, becomes defined in, in a very sort of hedonistic sense in today's times, right? And so I, I think, you know, what you're sort of pointing to here, um, you know, as, as sort of the why now, right, is finding that sense of both inner and outer truth and declaring, as you said, sanity in an insane world. Um, yeah. And I and I think that, you know, if you would want to speak to this, I think we, we both express this feeling of homelessness uh, in, in today's times where, you know, I think there's been this evisceration of the ability to rely on a consistent shared sense of values and truth within our sort of communities and sort of former contexts. Right. You want to speak a little bit to that? Sure. Well, and, and I'm, I'm in San Francisco and uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area and um, I'm certainly in Woodstock and Maui. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we've been we've been, um, you know, kind of immersed in uh, you know, progressive communities and generally left left leaning kind of I mean, kind of the liberal what was liberal well, in quotes, liberal? sort of <laughs> yeah, liberal progressive world is sort yeah. of the, the waters in which we've been swimming in for the better part of our lives. And it's and, and grew up as children, right? I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. Right, exactly. And yet it's as if everything has flipped. We're not the only ones that might maybe consider ourselves disaffected liberals who right. have looked at some of the insanity that's being called uh progressive nowadays that feels very regressive to me i mean i'm old enough to know that there is a time when you know the well if we just look at the covid situation for sure. for just a second you know the 
there was a time when being on the left or progressive were these were the people that were suspicious of corporate power, were suspicious of authority in general, were always there to push back against the man, you right. know, the man in quote, right? Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and what's so funny is we see so many that, that are on the left um, now championing big pharma, championing authority. And silencing critic, critical voices that would call any of that into question, which is a real head scratcher for me. I don't know when that flip happened. Well, exactly. And even what you're saying there, too, because I mean, just even something as fundamental as free speech, right? Which is hard to be all, you can't argue with that, you know? Right. And it just seems like sort of, you know, one of the cornerstones, right, of, of liberal belief system that we grew up with that, you know, NPR, you know, all of that would would just be absolutely a stand for. And yet it's just disappeared. Yeah. In this very bizarre way. Um, So, so, so yes, I mean, so absolutely. And, 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 and continue with, with your point though, about, you know, this, I, I guess, to sort of, would you maybe describe it as almost gaslighting that's happening? Yeah, it is. It is because two plus two equals five. And if you don't believe me, you're a bigot. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And I'm like, uh, science is racist. I, you know, I, I just, I cannot follow this woke logic. And, you know, frankly, I think it comes down to the... The real problem here is that we need to get beyond the two-party paradigm, this notion that there are a left, it's a left and a right. And, sure. and I think that this engineered outrage that is happening in this world around what I'm calling the three C's, around right. COVID, around the second C I call the cult of woke, because wokeism as mm-hmm. a... As, it has all of the hallmarks of a cult and I'm going to qualify all of that. So any of you that feel triggered with me naming that I can back that up and climate, which, you know, somebody I, I have launched not one, but two for-profit environmentally oriented businesses in the developing world. I drive a Tesla. I mean, I, I, I bought in, I mean, I was in to green before green was cool a million for 25 years Um, But there's a problem there as well. So I call those the three C's. And these three C's, I think, are part of the tyrannical agenda uh, that we see playing out among the powers that shouldn't be every day. And whether it's, uh, you know, corrupt politicians or unelected bureaucrats, uh, (laughs) we see it everywhere. And and, and what's, what's really frustrating about this and the reason that, that I'm, I'm naming it is that, first of all, it's not about left and right. It's about right and wrong. And we have to realize that the, there is essentially a uniparty in power here in the United States. And I would, I would submit around the world. It really comes down to, in a sense, more helpfully, I think, to think about centralization of control and, uh, and distributed control as it were in other words do we want to lean into and trust uh, a centralized power authority or do we want to find our own 
uh, self power, right? Self empowerment. We do we want to find our own um, capacity to stand up for ourselves. And I, yeah. No, I was just going to say, and I I just want to touch on your point before you go sort of further, just with respect to the three C's, because three that you mentioned, which I, which I think, you know, really are, are, I think the primary um, kind of in play, so to speak right now, you know, really have hijacked and manipulated um, sort of values, right. Of, of health environmental concern and equality. Thank right? you. Yes. Well and said. Really, we, we sort of hold dear, right? As, right. As in terms of our, our sort of value and inner navigation system. And I, and I think what's sort of happening is this distortion, right? So the values kind of remain the same, but it's a distortion in what they point towards, right? Um, as are those things actually right? Getting us towards health, actually getting us towards environmental, you know, change, actually getting us towards, you know, something fair, right? And I think that's, it's, that's where the disconnect sort of occurs, right? Um, And I, and I think, you know, exactly what you're sort of saying is, is that there's just so much distraction and distortion in the field. I mean, on, on so many levels, right? That, that ability to kind of navigate with that, you know, you know, sort of our inner compass has been, I, I'm going to use the word hijacked again, because yeah. it really is, you know, a very brilliant takeover of consciousness. And it, and, and that, that commodity is the most valuable commodity in the marketplace right now. <laughs> right? Absolutely. No, it's well said. And that's, you know, what makes it so difficult and to, 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 talk about is that, well, what kind of monster would we be if we were not in favor of health, if we weren't in favor of justice for all peoples, regardless of their skin color or their ethnicity and the climate, you know, what you're going to be against clean air and clean water (laughs) and and a, a fertile, beautiful, green world to live in. No, of course not. And so the argument becomes you get, and this is where the where the, this notion of gaslighting, which really right. is a, a form of crazy making behavior. People want to make you feel. I mean, gaslighting is when someone tries to make you feel, even when you are espousing an an obvious truth, they want to make you feel like you're crazy and right. that you're wrong. And so the gaslighting is, you know, and I say two plus two equals four. And my woke friend will say two plus two equals five, you bigot, as a way to say that meaning numbers mean nothing. And to say otherwise makes you uh, old fashioned or bigoted or whatever. And that makes you crazy, right? It's like, no, 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 no. If you want to talk about the fact that, say, science or mathematics, because of their um, relatively, I don't know, fixed rules, somehow imposes some kind of burden on those who practice it yeah it does that burden is called discipline that's how we make sense of the world but it's not it's not picking and choosing and saying well if you have white skin then it's okay or if you have black skin no well our world will crumble if we can't acknowledge the power in place of structure Mm -hmm. and you know for those among my quote, woke brothers and sisters, it comes down to this notion of critical race theory that you've probably heard people talking about. And 
what this really reduces all of history down to oppressor and oppressed. And it comes down to a power dynamic. And I think what happens because we've seen so much of a push away from traditional values, we've moved from sort of a traditional worldview that's, that people leaned on the church for, for their meaning in life and the power of family and tradition and moved into sort of a modern scientific view, right? And now we've moved into sort of this postmodern view, which is right. I have my truth, you have your truth, everything's relative. In a sense, nothing really means anything absolutely. There's no absolute truth. And then the kind of the, the carnage of the stripping away of all of meaning, all that's left in a meaningless wasteland is power. And who has it and who has more of it and who can wield it to, to control others. And sure. that's, really, that's really the whole woke mindset. And that comes down to sort of the patriarchy, the notion that all men are evil because they're physically stronger than women. And so they're going to oppress women or white people are, well, you know, have more power than they're going to oppress. That's this whole notion, the oppressor oppressed dynamic. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think, but I don't, I, I'm not necessarily certain, you know, the value, the liberal value set is wrong. It's mm -hmm. just been absolutely manipulated and, 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 and essentially hijacked in order to control behavior. Right. Yeah. So, right. so what we really have is, you know, I think people sort of still standing with the same quote unquote values. It's just the wolf in sort of sheep's clothing, so to speak, that these values now represent has been yeah. co-opted, right? right? And purchased right. in fantastic, right? You know, campaigns, you know, both I, I would sort of say, you know, obviously, and then I think in in sort of more subversive ways than we'd like to really admit to. Um, and, and so, you know, there are people kind of feeling like, you know, these values still are, are lovely and yet the, right. right. The, these sort of outcomes or the, um, what we're voting for is no longer the same. It's that's where it's been sort of switched, you know, um, sort of behind the, the screen type of thing. So we're, we're sort of still checking the same box and yet what's in that box has all of a sudden become the exact opposite thing. Right. Than think it is right right, sort of right. This exactly years game and i think you know the challenge and this kind of goes back to sort of the free speech piece and and kind of the insistence on you know truth and i and i think also our our sort of commitment to insisting on navigating feminine authority right which I think are are sort of are, are things that have really and that you know have been uh, I, I guess suppressed at, at every level, right? Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, the suppression, I mean, you know, these, these sort of publications, again, I have to say in my childish, you know, naive heart would have never imagined, you know, as a 10 year old loving NPR and listening to my parents, right. <laughs> you know, the car radio, that they would ever do something as outrageous, as, you know, as censor, you know, true. Yeah. Right. Opinion, right. And 
you know, my wildest dreams, I have to say, you know, um, and, and yet, you know, it's, it's shocking. I, I mean, really censorship to a degree that I could have never imagined. I could have never imagined. And, you know, bullying and I mean, all kinds of just horrendous tactics that have suppressed information. And then I think simultaneously, the other piece and that, you know, you were, you were speaking to earlier about sort of the relationship to spirit and, and sort of inner truth and our inner knowing, I think has been equally suppressed and co-opted by this just massive amount of noise and distraction and social media and just all kinds of data to ensure that you're not referencing from in, in, inwardly. Right, right, right. Soul substitutes. Our shared friend Brandon Peel refers to these as soul substitutes because we're so disconnected from any source of real meaning. We're getting all of our validation from others. And in this war of attention, because uh, th th that's what it is, right? Is our attention span shrinks because we want that immediate dopamine hit of the next Instagram post Absolutely. where we were uh, the next like or the next heart or whatever well, in our posts. Repeating this at this point. Yeah. And we're, we're all dopamine addicts that our, our little attention spans need constant firing and refilling. And I think that's why, because people's, systems are essentially exhausted from all of the super stimuli that we yeah. get you know whatever you want whatever wherever you feel stuck as a person you can get everything immediately all at once when i say stuck i mean like if you're hung up look at the pornography addiction for instance if you're if you're hungry for whatever bizarre twisted sure you know kink that you're into boom you know 30 seconds, I pull it up for you, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and I mean, my God, I just, I can't, I can't imagine being, you know, a, a teenager just coming up uh, with that kind of distraction. How is, how is, how is anyone going to be able to have the kind of attention span that's necessary to either engage in, in deeper conversations or to, to pick up a practice like the contemplative practices that are part of our lives yeah. to be able to sit, you know, I think it was Blaise Pascal who said that the real, and I'll only summarize the quote so I don't have it pulled up in my anywhere, but I, I something to be backed up. The real mark of a man is, is in his ability to sit alone in a room quietly. Well, uh, and, and I, I <laughs> here. I'm going to just interrupt you for a moment because I yeah. think really hit something so pivotal right there with what you said, because I think what's really trying to be repressed here and the thing that is, I think, the, the most dangerous, right, to sort of the modern agenda, so to speak, is soul, right, yes. and spirit. And soul is a quiet creature, right? It's a mm. quiet, shy creature. 
And so the more noise, the more distraction, the more, you know, habitual and addictive that next hit and, and, and incentivized, right. Motion and doing and production and fast and all of it, it is the, 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 the less room, right. right. There is at all to be able to be still enough to access inner authority, right. Or sort mm. of superior man as the Ching would call it right sure non-existent there's there's I mean these I can't even imagine how atrophied the muscle mm. to be sort of still or bored or quiet is for the modern teenager right yeah I mean let alone I mean just in that and, and it really is sort of a recent amount of time but there's, there is no, I'm just going to kick a rock or I'm going to take a rock. I mean, that just is an absurdity, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, but, but speak to me a little bit, Brant, about, about this sort of idea. I think, you know, that, that we, we talked about with this podcast being a place to kind of take back the narrative. Yeah, well, a a absolutely. And, and, and since I only just briefly mentioned them in passing, let me say, uh, let me answer that by going back a little bit to the, sure, three sure. C the three C's as exemplars of what I see going wrong in our world. And uh, for our listeners who've stuck with us this long, I just want to say a couple things about the three C's again and about the half truth that we're given and how that's been manipulated. And, and as I said, we talked about gaslighting quite a lot, but just so I kind of underscore this for COVID, let me just say this. I think it should be obvious for anyone on whatever, wherever you find yourself in the political spectrum today, that the narrative that we were given was incorrect and people knew that it was incorrect. We're allowed to say that now in polite company even, regardless if you consider yourself a Democrat, a conservative, completely apolitical, homeless, whatever. Your government and the larger health systems, the CDC uh, and so forth, are have lied to us. I mean, there's just no other way around it. And I don't want to be afraid of acknowledging that. But at the same time, that doesn't, for me to question that doesn't mean that we care any less about the health and flourishing of all of our brothers and sisters across the world. And let's not allow the powers that shouldn't be to hijack that conversation and make it all about, well, you have to take yet the next vaccine. Otherwise, you're some kind of a anti science conspiracy theorists no and I, I so i just want to name that and the same thing with woke let before anyone who feels triggered and thinks that we're being insensitive and the reality is you can care about people of all colors races faiths without buying into this victim mentality and it's funny because i had a uh, a dinner with uh, my wife and uh, a couple of African-American women, both of whom very successful professionally. One was a VP at a household name company, uh, you know, Fortune 500 company. And the other was a senior partner at one of the large consulting firms. And you know what she said to us? She says, I just wish white people would stop trying to save us. 
And I think to myself, wow, I wonder what a totally woke person would say to that. Because, you know, the, the, the soft paternalism of this woke nonsense is really undermining the very people that, the, undermining the um, self-sufficiency and capability of people of a different race. It's you're not helping anything by 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 playing into this oppressed oppressor dynamic. You know, I, I I'm old enough to remember feminism 1.0 when it was all about women's empowerment. And I'd like to ask anybody who finds himself allied with a lot of the woke agenda, can you be in service to both someone's victimhood and their empowerment at the same time? Yeah. I suggest I suggest no. And if you really want to help people, you want to empower them. Plain and simple, full stop. And narrative has a lot of power and pull over our, our moment-to-moment experience. We're always telling ourselves stories in our head about our life and what's going on in the world. And the question is, is this victim, oppressor, or oppressor, oppressed? kind of narrative helping or hurting and i would submit that it's hurting more than it's helping and this isn't to 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 deny the fact that injustices have been committed against people of all races and colors and creeds uh and among uh people of the same race colors and creeds for the span of human history sadly but that's no reason to to uh, push for this particular agenda, which I think is hurting more than helping. But I always want to be a stand for the health and flourishing of all peoples, of all colors. And we need to have the freedom in a free world to be able to call, to separate wheat from chaff. We need to be able to say, this is our intention. These are our values and our beliefs. And we need to be able to call BS when we are being gaslit which I think so much of this is. And I think, and I, and I just want to sort of piggyback on that point that you, that you've made, which I think is, is a wonderful one to say that I think so much of this really is about distraction and divisiveness, right? Exactly. And I think that divide and conquer. Exactly. And so I think two things happen, right. When we sort of, you know, focus on sort of, you know, a, a false issue or, or, or an issue that's, True enough, right? But that doesn't necessarily progress so far that divides us enough where we have some controversy and occupies our attention. So we're sort of checking the box of, you know, this is a value we have of, you know, equality and so forth. But I think we're really being distracted from real issues of equality, right? Like, how are we really solving, you know, massive issues of of global impoverishment? and starvation, right? Things where we're really talking, if we're going to talk equity, if we're going to talk fairness, if we're going to talk, you know, ideas where we can begin to, to even out the playing field of access to education, basic resources, all of these things, we've got much bigger issues than, you know, kind of our political niceties around race. Right. Right. Or even, you know, transgenderism and things like this, right? Where, I think that, and it's not to say that these aren't real egregious wrongs that have happened that do have that, you know, retributions and things can be sort of made to empower, as you're saying, versus, you know, 
play into a sort of a victim mentality. Absolutely. But I, I really like, I re it's again, sort of this piece of look over here. So you're not looking here. That's right? it. Yep. Divide I, and conquer and right. engineered outrage. Part of it is, is they want to say, oh my God, he didn't buy into the woke agenda. He must be some kind of bigot and hate people of minority people. No, 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 I'm not going there. Not going to allow you to, to co-opt that idea. That's that's bunk. I mean, and as our education is being taken over in such a massive, <laughs> heartbreaking way, <laughs> right? Oh, right. We're, so talking true. About, we're talking about transgender bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? And I'm sitting here thinking my child's education has just been stolen yeah. from any real meaning and content. And there's so much programming in here that I can't even make heads or tails of it. And my school board is spending hours upon hours discussing the pros and cons of a transgender bathroom, right? I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the priorities are just completely right. upside down, upside down. I completely get you. And yeah. just to, to mention... It's just let's let's just it's again, you know, the sort of big sort of three ring circus to sort of, you know, bring everybody's attention away from what's really happening. And I think we just kind of go back to that, you know, opiate for the masses, you know, and that sort of distract and, you know, kind of and, and, and I almost do think of it as an opiate because it's for those values, you know, driven liberals it's like oh we're just fighting our cause you know so happily yeah. over here and and there's just this numbness to or blindness to what's really going on and the real yeah. battles that need to be fought yeah well i mean i go back to classical liberalism you know which was you know the right for you know of the marginalized. I mean, the whole, the notion of, of uh, what were classical liberal values was about openness, openness and tolerance and, you know, to, to be able to pursue the good life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What happened to that? What happened to just simply being a stand for that, regardless of your skin color? And so many people act like it's 19, when it comes to the race stuff, to me, they come, they act like it's 1963. It's like 1964, the, I mean, the civil rights act. I mean, we, we've fought this fight and, you know, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Who was saying, you know, I want to judge someone by the, the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Yet the performative contradiction of many of the well-intended woke these days is it, it is a performative contradiction because the more they talk about race, the more they'll pro they're promulgating the very problem they they say they are seeking to solve. Yeah, and well, it just I, keeps the ball rolling, and you just can't. You have to just say stop. And yeah. I think that's part of the impulse of this podcast was to be able to say, look, there are partial truths in what you're saying. And there are partial distortions that are absolutely ripping our country apart. Well, our country, our world. I mean, the, the entire Western world for, at, at any rate. But I think it's these half-truths that are really at the, you know what I mean, at the heart of the problem, right? And I, right. And I think that what I sort of 
you know, hope with this podcast and, and, and I think other people are doing this beautiful work where we're, let's really talk about what actually, right. sort of essentialism here, right. Mm-hmm. What actually as a, is at the heart of needing our attention, right. Where do we go back to, to kind of extract, you know, and again, climate is another one of these, you know, right. in your where we have so many people in an uproar about climate and, you know, and, 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 and we can see things like, oh my gosh, the land's polluted. Let's go to a smart city, you know, you know, let's shut down a farm, you know, whatever these sort of impulses are that again, the values are still the same, but, but sort of the, way they're being, you know, manipulated or co-opted to, you know, sort of have an outcome that is actually almost antithetical to their, the sort of originating value is what's at issue. And so I I think kind of at the heart of this, right, is this idea of really taking back a narrative that insists on, you know, a quest for truth, right? right? for what's real, what's authentic, and what we can really triangulate with some authority so we can really represent, you know, those, those, those impulses of spirit and soul that are genuine, but with something that has, you know, a, a reflective truth to what we're aiming at, right? As opposed to, you know, just kind of buying into what we're seeing on social media or being fed by the news as representations of, you know, these value-driven goals. Yeah. Well, well said. And, you know, the, 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 the truth underneath the distortion when it comes to climate, and especially as it relates to conscious outlaws, where consciousness speaks to the environmental crisis, in quotes, I will say, is, is that we recognize the sacredness of all of life, and we want to be a stand for it, independent of, of you know, pol- policies, of politicians, uh, but rather through a recognition that life is essentially good, and we are a part of it, and we want to be a stand for it. But like so many things, the climate, and I'm glad you brought me back around to that, the, three, the third C of the three Cs, the partial truth is, yes, we are shitting on the environment in so many different ways, whether it's plastics in the oceans, whether it's GMOs in our crops, whether it's, the list goes on and on. Where, where I'm suspicious of, and I'll tell you, you know, when I tell people, you know, we talk about carbon and, you know, carbon dioxide being the, the, the kind of the boogeyman and that we need to get our parts per million down to X number of parts by this date or we're all going to fall off a cliff. The reason I'm suspicious of that is if we go all the way back, if I ask most of my liberal friends, you know, back in the day, let's say in the 90s to be able to say, um, what do you think of uh, Enron and Ken Lay, remember the Enron energy crisis, that scamming SOB? Well, it was, along with Al Gore, it was Kenneth Lay, who from Enron infamy, you know, he, you know it's, it's just so ironic. You've got Al Gore, who was a Tennessee oil, oil man, and you've got Ken Lay, who was the biggest fraudster with regards to energy markets, coming together and saying, you know what? 
let's create the first carbon exchange so we yeah. can trade carbon credits uh, and, and make this ridiculous sum of money, you know, kind of the capacity to print money at will to tax everyone on their carbon use. So Absolutely. there is, yeah. I guess what I want to say just for today to wrap, to keep it tight is when it's regards to climate, I think you can be an environmentalist and be willing to sacrifice and to support the world in which we live. And really, you know, you'd have to be completely insane. I mean, who argues against clean air and fresh water and a vibrant world to live in? Who, who wants to live in a wasteland of toxicity? No one. And that's not, I mean, to make that an arguable thing is just so maddening. But I think it's fair with so much disagreement about this that still lingers among sane, conscious, well-intended people that we look at you know, the old, the old, old uh, kind of uh, admonishment to follow the money, right? When their people are disagreeing and it just doesn't make sense. I think it's worth following the money with regards to this climate situation, especially with regards to um, demonizing carbon dioxide, which is plant That's food, right. is plant food. This is in areas with more carbon dioxide, you actually have more lush greenery and so on. And so this notion that, you know, people that are anti-carbon dioxide are really anti-people because they're trying to say, well, every time you breathe out, you're contributing to the problem. Well, I guess I should have smaller families. I guess we should depopulate and all of that. And this touches into a lot of hot button issues around uh, that I don't want to really dive into right now. I just want to say that, is there not some elbow room between this carbon dioxide kind of narrative, you know, and environmentalism, which I think is a wider concept than climate. And the fact that you are shoehorned into either the good guy or the bad guy with regards to climate is disingenuous. And well, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the first time that people have used a well-intended idea to manipulate and control people, which I believe is happening with regards to this push towards sustainability, uh, which in itself is a good thing, but there's other control, command and control agendas um, being driven in uh, behind what Rosa Kaur in her book by the same name called Behind the Green Mask. And I think it's worth keeping that in mind as well. Well, and, and I think what you're touching upon is just, you know, I, I think probably sort of, you know, one of the sort of pinnacle examples of co-opting, you know, the liberal value set to, right. you know, a corporate dictatorship agenda, right? I mean, the, the bottom line of this is that the value of desiring environmental, you know, good is not bad. It's really, and I think this is really the piece of it, is examining with, you know, I think some critical measure this the proposed agendas methodology and platforms you know that are alleging to get us to that place right right because that's really where you know if you if you kind of silence all opposition <laughs> and you don't have sort of you know your ordinary ordinary sort of democracy of ideas so to speak you know putting out, you know, okay, so what is, what is actually going to get us to a better environment, right? And then you control the conversation with 
there's only one avenue to get us to the to a better environment, and that's reducing carbon footprint. And reducing carbon footprint only has one avenue, right? right. Then, then all of a sudden, right? You 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 know what what you've sort of done is kind of take you know a, a essentially hijack the value to this this controlled outcome and. Right. And the, the challenge, I mean, and I think this is where, you know, we have to, I think, reclaim, you know, the 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 values and and I think our ability to triangulate the methodology. And I think what you're pointing to about following the money and really being sort of our, I guess, independent investigators, right? right. What will actually work? Because we have the solutions. And, and and I think this is the other piece, right? Where, again, going back to sort of free speech and, and an open marketplace of ideas, I think that's, if we're going to really talk about, you know, what we, what we have to kind of at root go back to championing for, it's this ability to ensure our information has authenticity and independence, right? Right. right. Not driven by, you know, essentially this, you know, a, a, a capitalist dict- dictatorship, right? You know, right. I, I think we have kind of, you know, at root, you know, and I and I think this sort of takes us full circle to this idea of taking back the narrative because what we're being led by is a fantastically well orchestrated story that plays upon our fears, our emotions, and our value systems perfectly. Right, exactly. And and I think there has to be a reclamation and a reconciliation of, 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 I think, those genuine and and good impulses and good values with an actual truthful story, an actual truthful narrative, and one that restores us to meaning, to reunification with self, our community, to nature, and and has, I, I guess, the world, the universe is the earth's best interest in mind. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I often say, and I said in my my new book, from money to meaning, building purposeful business for a life of contribution, that that which is most personal is the most universal. And that's a kind of a, a, almost like a Zen koan, kind of a riddle to think about. But the deeper we go into ourselves, the more once we get beyond ego and we touch into that inner authority that you so eloquently referred to, into the realm of soul, we actually feel ourselves radically connected to, to the rest of life. That is the path through. And if so much of what we're talking about with words like global tyranny, you know, the move is to go from asleep at the wheel, kind of the blue pill in the Matrix movie, right? We move from the blue pill and we get red pill. We went, whoa, this isn't at all what I thought was going on. And we become awake and aware of the amount of authoritarian control that is coming onto a free world. We get red pill. And oftentimes... People get lost in a valley called black pill, which is essentially saying, oh, my God, tyranny everywhere. There's no point. I'm in the pit of despair. There's no hope. There's no way out. How can we ever fight it? And this is where the conscious part of conscious outlaws comes in is where uh, you point to is to reconnect with that inner authority, that deeper soul 
arena to your own truth and find our way back to the sort of absolute perfection that still underlies so much of the relative tyranny that we see. And we want to be a stand for recognizing the tyranny, but also a stand for that which is good and find that white pill solution to come out of the pit of despair and into a life of thriving and flourishing on this world. Yeah, I think that's so beautifully put, um, Grant. And I and I love that sort of white pill vision, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I think what we're sort of missing here, right, is that power of a truthful story, the power yeah. of a collective that is believing in something coherent together. Yeah, beautiful. In that fracturing, right? Of the fracturing of kind of what we grew up with understanding as sort of a shared community that, that sort of held a vision of certain values and, and hopes and beliefs. Once that sort of fractured into something that is, is terribly incoherent at the moment and confusing and as you're saying, kind of trig triggers us into sort of that, that place of despair that, you know, that guiding idea of finding sort of the white pill through a, you know, collective narrative and a news story, right, um, you know, brings us together, right, with something to believe in again. You That's know, it. Right? Um, and so, and so, yeah, I, I, if you want to sort of speak to that idea of, of, finding, you know, our sort of North store, North star through, you know, authenticity and purpose. Absolutely. And that's where we'll go. I think in this series of podcasts, we want to give voices, as I said at the outset, to both the relative tyranny, a lot of the nonsense that we see on the surface, but also to provide a, a kind of a guiding light yeah. toward back to your soul, how to find that, how, how to reconnect with it. I mean, uh, Cynthia and I both are are in addition to my his work history, we, we both came together. I'm a certified purpose guide and, and, and Cynthia is also a purpose coach. And we came together through the Global Purpose Leaders Group and, and recognizing that what people need is to reconnect with the authenticity that is their soul, essentially. And, and I use that word, if that word is triggering or seems too religious, uh, I like what Tim Kelly calls your trusted source sure. by whatever name. Authority. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your inner authority. What, by whatever name. Okay. I'm not hung up on the, on the name of it, but the point is, is that part of finding our way back out of a corrupt world is yeah. to re drop that taproot into the deepest part of ourselves and, yeah. and, and to operate from that and to trust that life is essentially good. And we can make our way through the the mess that we're seeing uh, uh, in this world and the distortions that we're a part of and we can be a stand for truth. And hopefully for those of us who've listened this long that, you know, we want to provide none of the tools and techniques to actually help you stand for that and also to, to, to the courage, I guess, to, 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 to name the relative tyranny, but also to be a stand for something, the, the fundamental good news underneath that. And we'll bring that together in this series, in this podcast. So I thank you, thank you all for joining us here who've stuck around and uh, we will be back with more. 
Um, I super appreciate your time, Cynthia, and this fruitful collaboration and look forward to seeing where it goes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Grant. And thank you all.